that, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can recover from that. That's <laughs> no, we can't. All right, here we go. Week two of, of playlist. Welcome, everybody. I'm excited to uh, get past that moment and move right into the rest of the service, which I, I know everyone's looking forward to. I probably had more excitement and more anticipation about this message, which makes me feel like we should just preach about Michael Jackson every week, and then we'll have that much more excitement. It feels like everyone's excited to hear what, what this message holds, and I think the, the title, Man in the Mirror, is one of those that just speaks for itself. I think it's almost like I don't, it's, it's probably too easy. So I hope I can take us somewhere today that will, will bless you and challenge you spiritually and help us to take a, a step forward in our faith. Um, this is one of those songs that everybody loves. This is, I, I think most people, there's an endearment towards Michael Jackson in our culture and the songs and the style and the uh, kind of the, the genre of music. And it just gives us that feeling like, oh man, I love this. I love this song. I love the, the feel of this. And so I, I kind of feel like, especially with this song, it really, it matches, um, hopefully our aim at church is to challenge ourselves to be better, to look at the man in the mirror and make a difference, to, to j- just the overall message is pretty clear, like the song says. So I want to jump in. First, I want to say, uh, if the live stream has started now, I want to welcome everybody to, uh, to relate and welcome you this morning at your, at your home or in your car, wherever you're watching from. We're excited that you're joining with us. And everybody right here in the room. So instead of uh, asking you to give it up or put your hands together, why don't you just turn to the person next to you? Maybe you're sitting at home on the couch. Just tell them, good morning. I love you. That's something we, we so often don't hear. We need to hear it more. We need to communicate and talk to each other more. And um, what a blessing it is to have everybody in the room. I feel like I'm seeing more and more and more people back to church, back to communicating, back to traveling, back to uh, normal, so to speak, if we can say normal uh, in these times. Although I feel like this year, nothing is normal. Last year, nothing is normal. But we're, we're slowly getting to a place where I feel like we're, we're planning things, and it's exciting. There are lots of, we have several park events, events that we'll do in the park this summer, and uh, Mother's Day, and just, also it's really weird that all, so many holidays fall on Sundays this year. So we're going to have a lot of good times um, this year, and um, I want to jump right in. Um, to me, this was an easy follow-up to last week, because um, the weekend, we talked about the weekend and blinding lights last week, and I hope that uh, if you haven't listened to that, I want to encourage you, go back and listen to last week's message. It's one that will, uh, I really think it will challenge you. But today is almost like a continuation of that message because of the, uh, not, not just the elements of the song. If you, there's so many similarities between the two artists that when you listen to them, the sound is really similar. Their vocal styles are similar. And so between Michael Jackson and The Weeknd, um, it, there, there are so many pieces that just fit together, including this song. And so uh, there's also the relation of image. And last week we talked a lot about image. And today we're going to talk even more about image. And it's something that we all deal with. Uh, and so I want to show you first off the, the easy, amazing message in the, in the lyrics. So we'll start by reading the, the lyrics of the chorus. He says, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. These are lyrics that you probably heard since you were a kid. You've probably been listening to and singing along with for many, many, many years. And he says, and no message could have been any clearer. 
If you want to make the world a better place, what? He says, take a look at yourself and then make that change. And of course, they're not us. Take a, take a look at yourself and make the change. That message, I, I think that's another moment in the, in the sermon where we could just say, everybody go home. That's the sermon's over. That in itself is enough. We probably could spend six weeks just on this idea. On this song, we could spend six weeks or more because there are the, the idea that we have to look at ourselves first, make a difference, make a change. This, there, this is so pivotal and poignant to who we are as a church. Like, forget about Michael Jackson. The idea of this song is so powerful. If we could get a hold of it this morning, it would change our lives. This song in particular is very unusual for Michael Jackson in that uh, he loved the song. He, he thought that this song represented him as a person and wanted to impact the world, but he didn't actually write this song which was unusual. In fact, at the, at the time when he heard this song, he had not, he had been, they had been giving him, his, his manager, his producer had been giving him songs, trying to get him to take some songs that other people had written. How about this song? How about this song? He was just, for two years, he denied every song, all his songs, his songs. And finally, he heard this song and decided, as soon as he heard it, he loved it. He decided he wanted to sing it. He wanted it to be on his album. He wanted it to be one of the main songs on his album. In fact, the lyrics of the song were the only lyrics to be printed on the outside of the, of the album cover, on the album art. He loved this song. And the, the actual songwriter, Saida Garrett, wrote this, that the song was deeper than just the visual of a man looking at himself in the mirror. To make a difference on the outside, you have to first start within. You have to start from inside, and the change happens outside. And it can affect the whole world. I think that in itself is enough to make the entire message. But I want us to go a little bit deeper. I want us to look at a spiritual element of how we live that out and how God expects us to live it out and what that looks like in our relationship to God. He was looking for an anthem. He was looking for uh, a song that would inspire a nation, a song that would people could rally around to, to be united. And so, uh, of course, though, if, you've, if you have followed Michael Jackson at all, you know that his story was also complicated by his own struggles with the man in the mirror, with his own image and the way that his image was portrayed and the way that people saw him, the way that he saw himself. It's widely reported that there were, that that he had many surgeries and uh, changed his image and wanted himself to look different, look better. And uh, of course, makeup and hair and style changes and manicuring his image became a big part of who he was. But it was also reported and quoted many times that he was very unsatisfied with the way he looked. And so he would reach for a better look, reach for an evolution to become something different. And I think that in some ways, if not many ways, Michael Jackson, even though he was an icon, even though he became the king of pop, even though he was such a big image that imprinted and impacted society and culture, he also struggled. And I think he even fits into the category and his struggle fits into uh, some of the things that we talked about last week when the weekend, we quoted the weekend as uh, when he talks about the absurd culture of Hollywood celebrity and people manipulating themselves for superficial reasons to please and be validated. Like, 
not only did he, but not only was he so successful in the, the, the words of the songs people loved and embraced and still love to this day, but he had his struggles. He had, he, he had his battle with image. And so even though he remains one of the most iconic, and this song remains one of the most iconic songs, not just in our list of this series, but also in um, modern history. Everybody knows, around the world, everybody knows this song. And so I think it's a great song for us to dive into this morning and really begin to unpack and look at some scripture and look at how God sees us and how God wants us to see things. And so I want, I want to ask you the question, what do you see? We, we kind of have an idea of what, what Michael Jackson saw when he looked at it in the mirror, what his expectation was, not just based on this song, but uh, we all look in the mirror, right? In fact, I would say that most of us probably have glanced in the mirror a few times, hopefully before you left this morning, clean your teeth out and make sure that your hair looks just right, make sure that your, your clothes are put just right and position just the way you want people to see you, right? That, that's kind of our culture, that there are mirrors everywhere. Some of you probably have even looked in the mirror since you've been in this building. That's the way we, it's become a big part of, I think, even then when the song was written and when the song was produced. So we look at the mirror. Uh, one study showed that women look in the mirror, and I'll get to you guys in just a second, but w- women look in the mirror 16 times a day. But it's also reported that men look in the mirror 23 times a day. I don't know how that happens. And guys, we all need to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves, why are we looking in the mirror so much? Why does image matter so much? Why? Because it's how people see us. It's how we want people to see us. We want to make sure that that image, and we want to make sure that who we are is our best image, right? Grace, my daughter has a mirror at home. She is in the cosmetology program at the high school, and she has a mirror that is surrounded by the brightest lights, and it seems to be super magnified. And I went and looked in the mirror myself and said, oh, I don't need to see myself that close. I don't need to know myself that well. I'm not looking in that mirror again. So (laughs) there are all kinds of mirrors. There are the mirrors that you look in your bathroom every day, maybe the one that you pass by in the hall or in the front door or in the living room. There are mirrors that we see ourselves, or sometimes there's things that don't quite, they fit the definition of mirror, but they're not exactly a piece of glass with a reflective surface. They, they show us ourselves. We're going to look at a few of those today, but ultimately, why do we look in the mirror? Even in the song, why are we looking in this to make a change? It's to make sure that if there's something wrong, if I see a blemish, if I see something that doesn't fit there, right? If I got something in my teeth, I need to be able to have Not everybody's going to tell me, and I don't want to walk around with it on me all day. Or if I have something on my clothes, or if I I have a problem, I need to see it, right? And we spend millions and billions of dollars trying to make sure that the image we see is the best that it can be, from teeth whitener to makeup. And yesterday, Grace, it was a simple conversation. We were driving by. I said, man, how can there be a whole store, how can there be a whole business that you can go into that's simply to deal with your eyelashes. You could get new eyelashes. I said, how can that business model work? And she started telling me how much people pay for eyelashes, and I was shocked. I was like, I think we're in the wrong business. We need to go open an eyelash store because that is where the money's at. (laughs) 
But we're committed to hygiene. We're committed to the look. We're committed to making sure that we are the very best that we can be. This week, really quickly, I want to give you a rundown. I learned a lot about mirrors. I learned a lot about what qualifies as a mirror, and I love the, the look. But here, here we go. There's plain mirrors, spherical mirrors, convex mirrors, concave mirrors, non-reversing, flip, true, one-way mirrors, two-way mirrors. I felt like I was Bubba on... Uh, Forrest Gump just listing out the different kinds of shrimp with mirrors because there are so many different kinds of mirrors and some of them would surprise you in that they're not just the mirror you look into, but they do show a reflection of reality, right? We get over onto this side, we start getting into like scientific mirrors, front silvered, back silvered, flexible, cold mirror, hot mirror, acoustic mirrors, nonlinear optical phase conjugating mirrors and parabolic mirrors. There are all kinds of things that if you looked at it, you wouldn't even call it a mirror. But to find out, this thing reflects reality and shows what is what. It shows what a thing is. It shows the true image. It shows things that you can't see with your eyes. And I want us to look at a few of those kinds of mirrors today that it's not obvious on the surface what's happening. But when you really look at it, when you really unpack the definition of what this thing is, it is a mirror. So if you got your notes today, you'll want to write this down. You'll want to follow along and take notes. And, and uh, I love being able to take the notes home during the week and dig back in. So I want to show you a scripture as we get started before I show you the first mirror. James chapter 1, verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. That's a lot right there. We haven't gotten to the mirrors yet. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. So if you if you don't listen to God's word and you don't do what it says, you're just fooling yourself. You can't just hear it. You have to do something about it. So for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. This is that moment where he's saying that in order for God's word to work, you have to look at it and make a change, right? That's the, that's the lyrics to our song. He says you have to listen to it and then do something about it. And if you don't, it's like just looking but then not making a change. It's like we're looking into the mirror. We see what needs to happen. We've been told the scripture reflects, hey, there's, there's a thing here. There's an issue here. There's a step that needs to be taken. Like, dude, you got something in your teeth. You need to take it out. It's like looking at yourself in the mirror and then saying, uh, no, 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 I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to deal with that later. I'm not quite ready to deal with that just yet. I don't want to do it right here. I'm going to go deal with it on my own. But really, ultimately, what the song is talking about and what this scripture is talking about is spiritual maturity. Like this, the, the song is talking about maturing enough in society to say, hey, there's a problem over there. We need to fix that. But really... The solution is right here. I need to fix it in me first. That's what the scripture is saying, that there are, there are things that we have to do. And to find out what those things are, I need to look into the word of God. And then whenever it reflects on me, I'll be able to see what needs to be changed. I'll be able to take, take notice. I'll be able to listen and make a change. And so you and I have to be committed enough like we are to image. We're committed to image and hygiene. And God forbid we walk around with a problem long enough and think, oh my goodness, I've been walking around with this all day on my shirt or on my face. 
And yet we walk around spiritually with no commitment to change, with no commitment to growth, no commitment to... I think if we were to really take a look at ourselves in the mirror of God's word, we would probably all be a little bit shocked. Oh my goodness, have I, been, have I had this the whole time? Have I been walking around like this for how long? How come nobody told me that I was walking around with this? It goes on to say, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. So the point of God's word is not to bind you up. It's not to put you into a box. It's not to make you fit into a perfect form. No, it's to set you free. It's to take off the problems. It's to take out the negative things and give us a perfect image. Everybody say a perfect image. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So not only do we get the advantage of, of seeing the problem, hearing the problem, fixing the problem, but it says that God also will bless us because of it. So there's the added blessing that not only do we get to fix the issue that we found, we heard it, we made the change, now God will bless you for it. So we go even further. So number one, you can write this down. Number one, God's word is a mirror. God's word is a mirror that reflects not just what your face looks like, but what your heart looks like. What's on your heart? What's in your heart? The scripture says that God doesn't look at the outside, the outward parts of a man. He looks at the inside. God looks at your heart. And so when you listen to God's word, when you look into that mirror, it shows you, uh-oh. That's why a lot of people feel convicted and feel conviction over, uh, oh man, I can't go to church. I can't be around those people. And that problem that exists there where, we're, where we come face to face with ourselves, that's part of who God is. I don't need to add to that by standing up on stage saying, you need to do this. You need to fix yourself. You need to look at your problem and start listing off everybody's problems. I'm not the mirror. The church is not the mirror. And yet the church has put itself in the mirror and tried to say, look, I can tell you what all your problems are. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it, actually. <laughs> but really, the scripture tells us not to do that, right? But so often we want to take that job. That's God's job. That's not my job. My job is to serve alongside you. We can be accountable to each other. If you come to me and say, hey, Pastor Sean, I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me? Then, then it's my job to say, hey, we talked about this. What happened? How can I help you? It's not to point out your problems and your flaws and tell you that you need to be better because God can work on you better than I can ever work on you. And God can work on me. And the reason that I don't want to fix you is because I don't want you to fix me. God's word does an amazing job. God's word, it, God's word is alive. It's a living. It, 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 it's not just a book that I can read and make my life. It's not just a self-help book. It's like a living mirror that shows me my heart issues. I wish we had time to go into the, the, the science of, of the mirror. In fact, the basic plain uh, mirrored surface that you look at in your bathroom, there's a lot of science that goes into that mirror. That it requires light, and light carries the image, and the photons carry the image, and the, uh, there's a lot to it. But it shows us an image. There's a lot to what God's Word is doing in us. Jesus asked Peter this question, do you love me? He's speaking like directly to his heart. He's saying, do you love me? 
Three times he asks him. And, and Peter says, of course I do. Of course I do. Of course I love you. And then basically my interpretation is then do what I said. If you love me, you'll follow my commands. If you love me, then you'll feed my sheep. If you love me, if, then there's some things in your heart that need to change. And so when we look at the word, when we look at God's word, maybe it's in the scripture, maybe it's something that you have memorized, maybe it's something that you hear on a Sunday morning and God is speaking to you and what do we hear? We usually hear a next step and that next step's translated into something that you need to fix. And that's the part we don't like about church. But let me tell you that it's very, very different whenever someone tells you to fix something and then when God tells you to fix something. When you have a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit points out something, it's not like a judge sitting up on the judge's seat, slamming down his gavel, making you think, oh man, I'm like the worst pitiful piece of garbage in the universe. That's how we feel when people tell us our problems. That's how we feel when someone lifts up their head and their nose and looks down on us and says, I remember when I dealt with that problem. You're terrible. And, but God doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit communicates with us and communes with us. And we read that scripture and he is able to comfort us into change. He's a comforter. He's not, he's not the accuser. He doesn't have his finger pointed, pointing out problems. He comes alongside us and he comforts us and he helps us find freedom from those issues. Maybe the thing that God is dealing with you, often it looks like a next step. Maybe it's that we had several people step up and just say, Pastor Sean, I, I really need to be baptized. I feel like I, I'm supposed to be baptized. That last week was amazing to see people be baptized. Even on Sunday morning, we had people decide, I'm going to be baptized. That's amazing because it's the Holy Spirit that's just talking and working and telling, telling us, I need to do something. Maybe I need to Join a small group. Maybe you, maybe you feel like I need to start serving or I need to, I need to go uh, start giving or tithing or I need to learn how to worship better or I need to build a relationship or I need to go here or stay here. Imagine this. Imagine if I had, uh, let's just say that I had something, I hadn't taken a shower in a few weeks. Weeks, yeah. We, we're, going, we're getting pretty bad. And I uh, go to small group, and I go to <laughs> Pastor Jason's small group. <laughs> and Pastor Jason says, actually, they probably all talk about it for a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody's got to talk to this guy. He's the pastor of the church, and he did. <laughs> no, but Jason is always awesome about, <laughs> about hygiene, yeah. About hygiene. <laughs> so imagine what would happen if, if I left and no one said anything to me, and then maybe the next week or the next week, finally Jason comes up and has the, the courage to tell me, Pastor Sean, you got to do something about this. This is a, did you take a bath this week? Did you take a shower this week? You just wash up a little, brush your teeth, put on some deodorant. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> We're missing something. Let's figure out what this. And so I can say, yeah, I've really been, de the Lord's been dealing with me on that. The Lord's been dealing with me like, I, I know it smells. <laughs> I know I smell. I know, in fact, I've been reading a book about, you know, taking showers and brushing my teeth. And I've been really studying about deodorant. And 
You can imagine, right, how that would look. And yet, this, that's kind of the same thing that happens with us when God starts dealing with us and we're like, no, 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 no. I'm not ready to make that change yet, but I'll let you know when I am. And I've really been studying on it. And I've been, been just pray for me. Just if y'all just pray for me that I'll be able to do it when the time comes. No, there's some things that the Holy Spirit is like saying, hey, let's go do this. The Holy Spirit's saying, it's time for you to take this step. And you've been looking at the Word of God. In fact, you may have stopped looking at the mirror because you don't want to hear it anymore. Sometimes there's such a problem where like, I just don't want to look at myself in the mirror anymore. I can't look at that thing, that problem. I know I need to make a change, but I, I can't deal with it. Remember what the scripture says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. That's, that's listening and actually making a change. That's the process of growth. That's the process of maturity that happens in every believer. And if we've been going to church long enough, and if we've been serving God long enough, we should be learning how to do that and not just how to not look at the mirror until we're ready. You could go to the gym and decide that I'm going to have a, I'm going to work out and I'm going to, I'm going to get my physique a little bit better. And I'm going to start, maybe it was your uh, new year's resolution to start going to the gym. Let me tell you that you could go to the gym three or four times a week for years and years and years. If you only stay there for two minutes, then take a shower. You get on the treadmill, boom, two minutes. And then you're in the shower, you're out. You're not going to change anything. And yet some of us have been going to church for years and years and years. We've been going to small group for years and years and years. We just pop in, pop out. I went. I read that scripture. I already know the scripture, Pastor Sean. You got to get in there and you got to work on it. You got to spend time where time needs to be spent. And I don't have to tell you what that thing is. You need to listen to the word. You need to read the Bible. And you need to listen to what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you and make a change. Or else you see what you look like. You see yourself and then you walk away and forget what you look like. And it's easy to forget. I could walk away from Sunday morning and to say, oh man, church service felt so good, but I got so many things going on this week. And we come back the very next week and we're dealing with the same problem. Some of us, God's been telling us for years the same thing. Hey, next step. You ready? Are you ready yet? He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit's not going to force you to do anything. We have no desire to spiritually grow up. Watch what 1 Corinthians, Paul says in, in chapter 13, the idea that we need to grow up. He said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. Like before we grow up, as we grow up, we're able to see things differently. And yet, the longer we look, the longer we study, the longer we mature, we're able to see things from a different perspective. So when we actually make a change, we grow up, we mature a little bit. Now we're seeing things differently and our image has changed and there's other things we need to work on. But then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything complete just as God knows me completely. When you read the word of God, God knows everything about you. God's not learning new things about you. But he's got a lot to share with you. And then we go through this process of refinement called sanctification where we, where we start working. We may be here today. We take a step and then, wow, amazing. 
we all take another step. Every one of us needs to take, there's none of us in the room that are like, you know what, I've taken a lot of steps. In fact, I've taken so many steps, you'd be amazed at how many steps. I could probably take a break for a little while. No. <laughs> we got to keep growing. We got to keep maturing because the kingdom of God depends on it. God's agenda in this world in me depends on it. God wants to do things in me so that I mature and that I grow. He wants to do things in you and in us together so that the church becomes what the church is supposed to be. And as long as I don't become who I'm supposed to be, then the things around me can't be what they're supposed to be. And as long as I don't make a change in me, then the world doesn't get the change that's supposed to be made. We look at God's word and see the reflection, and then we make a change. The Holy Spirit brings that thing to life. In fact, someone once said that the Bible is the only book that reads you too. It's not, it's not a book that you just read and then it just, psh, words, so many words. I don't know how to deal with the words. No, it's a living, breathing thing. NBA, NBA star Chris Heron, he was in the Hall of Fame and lost everything because of addiction. In an interview, he talks about his mirror test. He said that there are some things in your life that you don't want to look at. And he says, if you can't look yourself in the mirror, then you've got a problem. He said, you can look and like what you see. He said, it took me 14 years to finally shave and brush my teeth in front of a mirror. For 14 years, he couldn't look himself in the face in the mirror because of his addiction and his shame and his guilt. Some of us push the word of God away because we just can't look at the image. We just can't look at the reflection of the way it shows us. Because you read the Bible, you can't help but feel something. You can't help but feel the Holy Spirit is shining a light. And you're like, ooh, I feel exposed. I feel naked. I feel like I can't look at this. I don't want to see it right now. But the challenge is to look at it and make a change. And slowly but surely we become something different. And the image changes over time. God gives us access to his presence. But you just have to be willing. We just have to be willing to look and go deeper and listen and make a change. And then something amazing happens. I want to show you one more kind of mirror that when that process of maturity and development and we're looking in, this, we're looking in the word and it, the light of God shines on us and reflects that image. Number two, I am a mirror. I am a mirror. You're a mirror. When that change begins to happen, when that process of maturity and uh, development, like Paul said, I'm no longer, like when I was a child, I acted like a child, I thought like a child. Now that process of development, discipleship, this is what that mirror looks like. But when someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away for the Lord is spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I wish we had time to talk about the veil and what that looks like, but I'll just really quickly tell you that it's talking about when Moses went up onto the mountain, and we know that he came back with the Ten Commandments, and the children of Israel, watch what happened. When, the Bible says when he came off the mountain, his face, he had spent time in the, the glory of God was so powerful that his face was shining like a reflection, reflecting the glory of God. It says that he had to put a veil on because the people couldn't handle it. They were afraid. They couldn't be around him. They couldn't look at the glory that was shining on his face. They had to put a veil on Moses' face. They couldn't look at it. 
But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It goes on to say, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. You and I were made to reflect the glory of the Lord. We reflect his glory when the development of maturity starts to happen, when God's glory shines on me and I'm able to look at God's word and he looks back at me and I'm able to make a change. It's almost like that that Bible. God's word is a mirror and then I become a mirror that reflects the glory of God that other people can see. It says, and the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him. God wants you to be more and more and more and more like him. But you have to be willing to look into the mirror and make a change. It says, as we are changed into his glorious image. There's a process that happens to us as Christians. Where not only we are changed, but we reflect the glory of God everybody around us. It should be that way. Someone once said that you may be the only Bible someone reads. You may, you may be the only version of the glory of God someone ever sees. But that doesn't happen until we begin to make that change. So the, the word of God is a mirror that reflects my heart. And I am a mirror that reflects the glory of God. The more I thought about this this week, I thought I can't make I can't make a sermon where there are two mirrors that just look at each other. That's crazy. And then I realized through the research that there is a thing where two mirrors face each other. And it's called an infinity mirror. And the whole purpose of the infinity mirror is that it's a work of art. Something happens in you and I when we do the things that God wants us to do and he sets us free, we become this beautiful creation. We become this work of art that God uses to shine his glory through. And the the danger of all of that is that number one, we decide, no, I'm not gonna look at the word of God or I am gonna look at the word of God and I become so full of my own image that I don't wanna reflect God's glory anymore. I wanna reflect my glory. And I don't want to reflect God's light. I want to reflect my light. That's called pride. And it comes from looking in the mirror too long. But as long as we're looking in the right mirror, as long as we're reflecting the right light, you and I were made to reflect the glory of God. Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. At some point, it's so easy to get disconnected from the true purpose of following Christ and we just start following ourselves and we start looking at our own image or we start looking at the image of the church we've built and it's no longer about his light and his glory and we're in big trouble if that happens. We get smudged up with pride and we can't see who we really are. We stop looking at the script. That's exactly what happened to Satan whenever he was reflecting the glory of God. He was a worship leader in heaven. And what happened? He said, I want to take God's place. I'm going to shine with my glory. I'm going to put myself at the pinnacle of heaven. I'm going to rise above. That's what we do. We become so infatuated with our own image and our own iconic status and our life and in our culture and the things that make us shine, that we lose sight of what really matters. 
not a problem to want to shine. You were made to shine, but you were made to shine the glory of God. You were made to broadcast an amazing image, but not your image, the image that God made in you to be more and more and more like him. Jeremiah said, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Like that should be our broadcast and the reflection that every one of us wake up in the morning to the beauty of God to say, all right, God, let's go shine a light. Salvation is surrender. Salvation is surrender and saying, all right, I'm going to put my own pride down. I'm not living for me anymore. I'm not living for my way, my image, my feelings. I want to be with the one that created me. And he turns us into an image of perfection. Today, I want to challenge every one of you to make a commitment to become more and more like him. That's what it means to become a Christian, a Christ follower. It's to give up my image and take on the image of the one that made me. So today in closing, I want us to say this prayer. And if you've never said this prayer before today, maybe today's the day where you throw your hands up and surrender and say, okay, it's not about me anymore. I'm ready to become something better become something maybe even mysterious something incredible a work of art so today with every head bowed would you just bow your head close your eyes right where you are I'm going to ask every person in the room to make that maybe it's a recommitment maybe it's a first time commitment to surrender to the one who made you and receive the gift of new life of a new life would you pray with me Would you repeat these words after me? Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending him to die on a cross for my sin and offering me new life. Come into my life today and make me new. Today I surrender my thoughts, my feelings, my future, my life to you. Forgive me of my sin and make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you put your hands together for everybody who said that prayer? I'm proud of you, and I'm excited that you said that today. And the best thing is that God's light starts shining not just on you, but through you as you become a reflection of who he really is and who he made you to be. So I love that you said that. I'd love to put a book in your hand if you have uh, made that decision for the very first time. It's called Fresh Start with God. It's a small book. You can read it probably in just a couple of days. And it helps you to figure out what maybe the next step and the next step are. So the band's joining me on stage. And I'm going to close with just a couple of ideas. On your way out, though, on your way out, right down the hall, at the end of that hall, you can grab one of those books. Miss Joe is right there, right by the offering bucket. So I'll be there. And I'd love to put one in your hand if you said that prayer for the very first time. I'd like to uh, encourage every single person here and all of you guys watching online to continue to be faithful. There there is absolutely no way we'd be here if you guys weren't supporting and partnering with us to continue to see people's lives changed every single week. It blows my mind how generous you are. The things that you guys have challenged me to do, we've done outreaches and 
giveaways and help people rebuild things and help people get up out of the struggle in so many cases. I love that we get to do those things together and we continue to serve side by side. And um, it is the joy of my life to stand here with you. So I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful. There's a couple of ways that you can give. Of course, you can give right here during the service. Um, or as soon as the service is over, you can put your tithes and offerings. There's a bucket right at the door. As well as you can give online. I would say that probably 90 or so percent of people give online right now. There are people who give uh, by texting. I consider those both online, whether you're going to relatecommunity.com. All of those ways are safe and fast, and um, you, can, you can do that from anywhere in the world. So we love you guys. I appreciate what you're doing to ensure that this church is growing and that we're reaching more people and that we're, we're serving every week to see uh, the struggles in this community and in our families. Find transformation. Find the light of Christ. You are an awesome, awesome church. So I want to pray for you, and we're going to continue worshiping. We're going to continue lifting up our voices as we worship the Lord in our giving. So let's pray together, and then I will dismiss you. Lord, we thank you for being awesome. We thank you that you're using us individually, that you are helping us to make changes that make the world a better place, that you're helping this church to make this community a better place around the corner, around the world. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, we ask you to multiply every gift. Amen.